0: I think that if we really truly want uh, to engage parents, we need to define this term. We need to find out this is how I see feminine engagement, do you how do you see, see, uh, how do you see uh, feminine engagement? and kind of define that, right? The most commonly
1: discussed topic right now among teachers is how to engage their students in online learning. This is a critical discussion, but when it comes to the idea of engagement, we also have to consider how we are engaging our families. Family communication and engagement is important during the best of times, but a worldwide pandemic has exacerbated the gaps in that communication, but also provided what some might say is an opportunity to examine and improve how we connect with families to support students. I'm Katie Haywood, a digital learning coordinator for the Western area.
2: And I am Chris Zirkel, a digital learning coordinator for the Southern and Southeastern areas.
1: Welcome to Digital Learning hosted by the Wake County Public School System, where inspiring educators provide insight into their experiences with digital learning. You can follow us on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, and Google. To access our show notes, visit us at dlc.wcpss.net. There you will find the contact information for your area digital learning coordinator who you can contact for help and support with digital learning. You will also find our monthly newsletter, our podcast episodes, our lunch and learn sessions, and other valuable
2: resources. In this special episode, we spoke with two educators from different departments within the county. Dr. Maria Rosa-Rangel works in the Office of Equity Affairs and focuses on family engagement. She first spoke about defining engagement, and then shared valuable insight into how an educator's definition or vision isn't necessarily the same as how others might define it.
0: Hello, um, I'm Dr. Maria Rosarengo, and I am the uh, Director of Family and Community Engagement in the Office of Equity Affairs. Thank you for having me today. It is the biggest gap in the literature of family engagement. Um, in fact, for a long time, we referred to the term involvement versus engagement. And uh, so right now, that's like the buzzword, right, engagement. But when you look at it, it truly makes sense because when we think about engagement, uh, and I'm going to give you my definition, right? When I think about engagement, I think about doing with, right, And, and involvement is doing for. So let me give you an example of that. When we do curriculum night, think about those nights, especially if you have a kid, right? What, what what happens? You go to the meeting before COVID, right? We were able to go into the into the school um, and, and go meet the teacher, and then they were basically just dumping a lot of information on us. So they were doing for us, right? Whereas engagement, uh, true engagement requires full participation of the parents. If you really would truly want to engage them in the education of their child, they need to be able to really walk away with understanding what's expected of them. If you truly want to be inclusive of family engagement, you have to look at your demographics, right? And sure, uh, demographics could change from... If you look at from the school perspective, it could be many different cultures represented. But then if you narrow it down to your classroom, it is more manageable for you to really understand the demographics of your students, which that's going to dictate, too, how these families see engagement, right? And maybe you need to have a conversation because, for example, you have a—and I want to use uh, Latinos because that is one of the largest— uh, subgroups that we have uh, if you have a huge Latino population in your classroom the way you define family engagement and the way these family see it it's two different things uh, and I'm gonna use me because I happen to be Latino and uh, my mother was an immigrant uh, mom and if you would ask her uh, are you engaged she would tell you I am But if you would ask the teacher, if she's engaged, she would say no, because she would never be in the classroom. She would never come to the parent-teacher conferences. However, she was was engaging with her children at home, but making sure that we had a quiet space to do our homework, but making sure that we were ready to go to school, um, that we had our, our, our book bag, our school supplies. So that's how she engaged. Obviously, the school was expecting my mom to do more than that, but she didn't know because she didn't understand what you meant. So Wake County has a
1: lot of tools that we use to communicate with families. Um, You know, of course, we've got our traditional emails and phone calls. Um, We've also got tools like uh, talking points and school messenger. And so um, there's a lot of platforms that teachers can use when they want to think about communicating with families.
2: I wanna give a shout out to teachers, administrators, and other school staff that are working diligently to effectively communicate with students and families. We spoke with Donna Jessup, a senior administrator for technology services, and Maria Rosa about how we are communicating creatively with families.
3: I am a parent of an elementary school student who receives a weekly email from my child's teacher through Google Classroom. It has been very helpful for me to know how my child is completing or not completing assignments so that I can better support him at home. Administrators, teachers, and school support staff have been working tirelessly to ensure families are getting pertinent information during this time. The district provides a number of digital tools to help staff communicate with families, such as Google, Classroom, and Canvas. Both of these platforms provide a means to communicate with students and families about upcoming classwork, missing classwork, and student progress which we know is all important to families as well. Teachers can put the family's desired email address in Google Classroom so that they receive daily or weekly email. This email includes classwork, missing classwork, upcoming classwork, class activities, and still allows the teacher to keep the other student's information private. The families who sign up for email summaries can't see the stream, the classwork people, or the grades in the class And they can get these email summaries sent to any email address that they desire. Teachers who use Canvas can set the class syllabus page to public and send the link to families to see a list of assignments and due dates, along with any other information the teacher adds to the syllabus page. Even grade weights can be added, while the rest of the course remains private.
0: We have to think outside the box about how are we going to engage with these families, because Everybody, even us, um, we're in a critical situation that we have never experienced. So uh, through the family uh, engagement uh, program, uh, we have to be creative and um, we have to over-communicate to parents. Many of our families um, change phone numbers constantly and they don't update them. Many families have not accessed school messenger to be able to get the messages either by phone or email, right? Um, so many times, there's a lot of messages that come from the district and also from the school. So many families sometimes don't get them. Sometimes they'll get them if they are registered to school messenger because that's how many schools communicate. So what we did uh, in the Office of Equity Affairs uh, was, okay. It, there's definitely um, an issue here. We're not communicating with the families that that, that that really need it, right? When you think about our families and when you think about the underrepresented families, those are the ones that need the information.
1: So Maria Rosa makes a really good point about the tools we use to communicate. We focus on offering so many options for communication that we sometimes forget that there are families that don't have email addresses or they haven't been able to connect to school messenger.
2: Even beyond that, we also don't realize how overwhelming all the tools might be for families. We're immersed in it all day, every day, but that isn't the case for everyone. They need support in using the tools.
0: Schools need to be mindful of how they're communicating to parents. Yes, we are using talking points. Um, It was rolled out for all the schools to use them, but we also have to educate our parents on how to utilize that application, right? And again, it goes back to the school really knowing their demographics and also pushing out that information that they need. For example, if they're gonna use talking points, they really need to make sure the parents know how to use it also if they're using school messenger they need to make sure that all families have access to it and they have uh done the they have gone through the process of selecting uh school messenger but also selecting w- which way how do they want to get communication do they want it uh text do they want an email do they want a phone call think of a parents. i was at a at me meet, area uh, meeting with, with the community, and um, there was a parent who, who spoke up and said, you know, I'm an educated parent, I'm a lawyer, but I have to tell you, I don't know how to navigate these different platforms. What is Google Classroom, you know? How do you even upload the work? What is this did portal? And then it dawned on me like, wow, you know, uh, it's so true. Um, even educated parents were having issues. So. Think about those parents that there are essential workers, right, that their job is not to work in front of a computer or even to to, to do anything with technology. So those parents were frightened about how do I even support my child with this technology? We have to leverage what we have, but we have to make sure that our parents know how to utilize it, right? PowerSchool is one of the biggest tools for parents to check on their kids, to get Ah, uh, real, lifetime information right there and then, and uh, and again, you have to think as as a school. What is it that you want your parents to know? What technology programs, online resources, communication tools, and then make sure that they know how to use it. As a teacher, same thing. What is it that you're using to communicate? Make sure your parents know how to use it. Make sure they have the application on their phones. Everybody has a smartphone nowadays. Everybody. So make sure that they know how to use it. And again, uh, make sure that they're actually also accessing everything so that you could then build on this communication. And then through communication, you are actually engaging with your parents. And at the end of the day, it's all about engagement with the parent equals better academic success with PUSH students. Maria Rosa shared some creative solutions
1: that her department has implemented, both independently and in conjunction with schools, and solutions
0: she has seen other schools across the district use. We had a Facebook page that, I have to tell you, nobody used it. It was dead. We even thought about, well, we might as well just get rid of it. But when this happened, we actually revived that page. And A V came and it has become a vehicle for us to communicate with different families. And uh, we branded it and branded it. And uh, now, I mean, anything that comes from the district, you know, I'm a parent, I also get those messages. I always ask myself, okay, is this important information that my parents need to know? And then right away I push it out through Facebook, Uh, Through Twitter, you know, we have a Twitter uh, handle as well. We, through Facebook, uh, we do a lot of uh, face live sessions every Tuesdays and Thursdays. At 5.30, we do them in English. At 6.30, we do them in Spanish. We do a lot of workshops to support parents with the academic support that they might need to support their kids. We share many resources as well as community resources. Uh, We also do uh, mental health sessions. We hire with with therapists to come and do some sessions because we know that our families and our students need that. So another thing that that we had to do, uh, obviously, was to truly collaborate with the community, the faith, uh, the Latino media, to to collaborate with other. Uh, other cultures' uh, organizations so that we could make sure the families were getting the information and also to support them. Again, we have to be very creative. We right away change our format of delivering parent workshops. Uh, We are doing them virtually now. Uh, We are also doing, uh, and we do them in different languages, uh, not only in English and obviously in Spanish, but we also do them in Arabic. That's another large com- uh, community. We do them in Korean and uh, and also in Swahili. So you know we try to be very diverse and uh, meet the meet the needs of the schools. You know, a lot of teachers are doing virtual home visits. and those uh, through those home visits, you are able to communicate with the parents, and I always we always say start with a friendly, conversation you know you don't want to dump everything in one call the first call should always be or the first visit should always be positive and then ask the parents you know how is it going you know what support do you need uh, how can we communicate better with you are you getting the communications if parents have issues with technology invite them to come to the school sure we have to follow the COVID protocols and all that but invite them one day And, 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 you know, and and have them come and just teach them. If they have an issue with technology, show them how to, you know, plug things, you know, how to troubleshoot some of the things, right? Uh, You know, show them that there's a, 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 in our main website through the technology department, there's this... uh, Beautiful resource of different videos that they could also tap into
2: after getting a large-scale perspective from Maria Rosa We wanted to look at classroom situations. We spoke with Bria Wright a Wake County teacher and finalist for the Wake County Public School System Teacher of the Year as a leader of her school's equity team. We spoke with her about communication with families and how she views that communication through an equity lens
4: So I am Bria Wright. I teach second grade at Hortons Creek. I've been at Hortons Creek since we opened. I am actually a product of Wake County Public School System. I went to Wake County K-12. I went to Hillburn. I went to Wake Forest-Roseville Middle School when it was Wake Forest-Roseville, not when they split. And then I went to Wakefield High School. I love teaching. There's nothing else in the world I can see myself doing. Being able to work with our students every day and having fun and learning and engaging with our students is what really makes me um, come to work every day and making sure that all students have access to an equitable education is what I feel like my life's goal is in my career path.
1: A lot of what Bria shared overlapped with the strategies Maria Rosa spoke about, especially considering individual needs of families. Um, And being able to see what the families
4: need from me in terms of communication has really helped because I'm able to decenter myself, right? I'm able to center their values. I'm able to center what they need for their students to be successful. And sometimes that looks like having conferences with caregivers in the evening time. Sometimes that looks like having them before school. I'm really just wanting to make sure I differentiate for my families because just like we differentiate for our students and all students need different things, all of our families have different communication needs as well. And I feel like when we give them information the way they can receive it best, it eliminates that barrier of folks feeling like, oh, I don't want to bother Miss Wright. I tell my families all the time. Two things in in every communication. Thank you for your support and partnering with me for your child's education or your student's education. Um, And the other thing I say is please feel free to contact me. And I mean both of those things. I, it's never a bother to ask me a question even if it's a question that might have been answered in email. I know I've looked over things in emails many times so just want to make sure I decrease the barrier between families and um, being able to understand what's going on in the schooling experience of their student.
2: We mentioned earlier a lot of the basic communication methods that school and teachers are using. Bria explained how she uses some of these in her classroom.
4: I know the county has um, partnered with Talking Points this year which is able to uh, translate messages for different families, which has been great as well. There have been some hurdles in making sure all families can access it, but I think that's definitely another tool that's helpful to kind of quickly get things to families. And a lot of my families do like talking points because it can come as a text straight to their phone. And so they can quickly see, oh, okay, this is what Miss Wright needs or, you know, whatever it may be, or this is when the next this event is. Oh, or the spelling bee. Okay, this is when that, you know test it so now I know things quickly. I also have used Google Meets of course to meet with families and I really like that Google Meet I'm able to share my screen so if a family is like I can't get into iStation or Dreambox isn't working or where is their work every single day we can come together and we can I can share my screen I can walk them through exactly how to do it or even better what I really like to do is for them to share their screen with me so I can kind of walk them through the different clicks and have them show me you know okay let's try it again just so we can make sure we're all good. But one of my um, favorite things to do, which is a little bit non-traditional in terms of communication with my families, is um, have my Twitter be active. And so my Twitter serves as kind of a place where I show a lot of like the fun things we do every single day
1: in school. It seems overwhelming at first to try and think about meeting the needs of all of our different families, especially when we start talking about middle and high school numbers. But if we put it in the same perspective as thinking about differentiating for our kids, it really becomes more manageable.
2: Definitely, go back to the triangle. 80% of our students will be successful with core instruction and only 5% are going to need that very targeted intervention and support. It's the same for your families. Thinking about the communication needs of 5% of the families is far more doable. We asked Bria how she manages it and also the precautions she takes to not get overwhelmed.
4: What I've done as my, the years have gone by is in the beginning of the school year when I give a survey to the families, I'll ask them, what's their, you know, contact information, of course, all the things I can pull from power school, but beyond what I can pull from power school, how do they best, want me, what's the best way to contact them? Also, best time of day, is the morning good, afternoon good, because some families work different shifts, so they may not be available when I'm available. And also, I want to make sure that I am not interfering with any family time. Some folks, you know, during that 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, that's family time. They don't want to be interrupted with that, which I completely respect. And I don't want to come in then and say, oh, hey, I have this, you know, feedback or something I need to talk about with your student. If that's a time they value as a family, I want to definitely respect that. I find what to be more burdensome for me is me sending out one mass newsletter and just expecting everybody to get it, right? Because then I know some people don't get it. So then I'm having to deal with answering questions afterwards versus if I just had met all their needs from the beginning, they likely wouldn't have all those questions. So by being able to be flexible and meeting their needs ahead of time and being proactive, I'm really saving myself and them some time on the back end as well. While I will say, you know, be flexible, of course, and, and, you know, some nights you might have to, maybe it's when it's you know fall conferences, you might have to have like maybe one night where you open up some evening times and meet with families. But at the same time, I still say that in the same breath as have you set up your own boundaries, right? So I actually over the break deleted my work email off of my phone, and that felt very freeing. Um, and it helped me to recognize I don't need to just scroll and get on and just answer emails right away. But let families know ahead of time, up front, you know, I will respond to your email within 24 hours, uh, 24, you know, business hours and let and have boundaries because there can be times where maybe you might get an email at 10 o'clock and you want to respond right away. And there's nothing wrong with waiting till the next morning, the next day when it's work hours to respond. And it, I don't feel like it says anything bad about us as educators if we want to set up our own boundaries, of course, because um, I think that also preserves some of our own sanity our own well-being too so that we can have some of that self-care time when it's time to you know kind of shut off for the evening because maybe that's a time when the family can respond but they're not necessarily expecting a response to you at 10 pm at night so definitely set up some boundaries and some times where you know okay this is my time where i'm
1: going to check in with families um, but don't feel like we have to do it all the time the piece to all of this that we have danced around is that lens of equity how are we making sure that the ways we communicate with families are equitable What do we have to keep in mind when we think about our own perspective of communication? And another thing that I think is important when it comes to communication
4: is to recognize that we have biases as always with every interaction that we have. Anything we do, we always have bias and that we have to check that. So sometimes when a family isn't responding right away, you don't know what the burden is that they're carrying. You don't know what the situation is. I think that's really important. Um, And so when I find myself you know, kind of getting frustrated, like, oh, I can't reach this family. I really kind of try to decenter myself because I think that's the most important part, not to center my own. I'm really trying to reach out, but rather how can I change this? How can I collaborate with other folks in my building, um, the social worker, student support team, administration to really see how I can communicate with this family? And that's what I found to be successful when I'm able to collaborate with folks around me to really uh, let the family know that we care about them and that we want the student to be successful. We have to do everything. Everything we think about and do as educators has to be through a lens of equity, right? Every student does not need the exact same thing. We need to make sure we're reaching out to families in ways that are best suited for their needs and not to take things personal when families may not be responding. Like that's my biggest thing. Like when I hear, you know, the the water cooler chat, of, oh, they never respond. This parent doesn't care. We don't have any data to support the, the, these, these claims that families don't care. I believe every single child and every single caregiver gives, sends their best to school every single day. It's really hard for me to believe that there are families out there um, that don't care for their students. And so, you know, we don't know people's struggles. We don't know if someone's working 12 hours a day. It may be hard for them to want to respond to your message about making sure they're on iStation for 30 minutes a day.
2: One thing that we may overlook when we were talking about communicating with families is that they went through school as well. They had experiences as students with teachers and with the school system.
1: Yeah, and those experiences really contribute to their feelings and actions as adults and really shape what they want school to be like for their children. Because we don't know
4: our family situations and their past experiences with schooling. My second year um, teaching and my first year at Hortons Creek, I had a, a mom who told me I didn't have a good experience with schools. I didn't have a positive relationship, so it made sense to me why when we were communicating, she wasn't necessarily responding, right? So she would get, she was not responding to my messages, and I'm like, what can I do different? Something, you know, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Once I got to know the mom and know her and communicate with her face to face, obviously that wouldn't be happening right now in this day and age, but once I really got to know her and listen to her and listen to her, her love and care for her student, what she knew about her student, because I do believe that families and caregivers are the experts on their students more than we are because they know know them and everything way more than we are in a different way. But once I really got to know what her vision was for her child's future, What he was passionate about that really helped me to know how I can best support him and what he needed it from not just for me as an educator, but for me as a role model, right? So someone that he, you know, looks up to because she said, you know, he he really, he really likes you, but he sometimes feels very frustrated because he can't voice what he wants to say. And so what I learned about the students, we were very, very similar. We both were very mistaken growing up. We were both very outgoing and people took some of our passion for. hostility and so he was struggling with that.
2: We asked Bria what is one of her biggest challenges with communication and her answer is something that we've heard from many teachers and something Maria Rosa spoke about as well.
4: So one of my biggest challenges with communication has been uh, collaborating with families that speak different languages and I like to when I say challenge doesn't I mean that it's impossible or hard necessarily but it does require me to take the extra step and to have to really think ahead of time of what I need to say right I can't say something last minute because I need to go through translation services to get that in a language that is accessible to that family and I you know a lot of it I hold on to that guilt of not being able to speak that language and I really Don't want any family who doesn't speak the same language as I do who has the you know the knowledge of this other language to feel like that that makes them less than you know so I try to do a lot of pictures and things that we do in our newsletter and that's why I do a lot of pictures on Twitter so families can have really have an eye into what we're doing Um, and of course collaborating with our ESL teacher and getting translation services when needed because I find that that is helps that barrier again Go away for families that are
0: uh, have English, and that maybe English might be their second language. But sometimes, because we have a lot of parents that English is not their first language, uh, and we take them for granted, right? And sometimes they don't even know how to go about how do how do I have how do I have access to this, right? Uh, Even when they have access to, you know, it's a language issue, so. Again, it goes back to that classroom, to that teacher knowing their students, because through them, then you'll know, and you could narrow it down, it always comes to that 5%, right? And 5% is more manageable. If English is not your first language, you know, it's also great to provide them with interpretation services that they need. So again, I think that it is crucial for the schools to find out how can which way would parents want to get communication, and in what language? There's been
1: so much shared in this episode about tools and ideas and strategies that it might feel really overwhelming for many teachers. Fortunately, there are supports out there both at your school level and from
0: central office. And I think that it is crucial that teachers understand that we are here to support them, right? For example, my program through through the Office of Equity Affairs, Family Engagement, the Family Academies, it's a resource that we have available for teachers, for schools, if they want to do a parent workshop. You know, uh, we have a whole menu of different topics. And again, we do those in different languages. Also, we, we ask teachers if there's something in the menu that, that, that you don't see, let us know and we could create it. Uh, we could reach out to the departments that we need to. We collaborate with many different departments to make sure that the content is correct. Uh, and again it's reaching out to central services uh for interpreting and translation services there is a department and i want you to know that we worked so hard to establish that department uh it has it took us many 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 years more than 15 years to get it going so utilize it obviously you know you have to put your request within a week notice reach out to them and, and if you need assistance to do that virtual home visit or to do that uh, virtual uh, parent teacher conference reach out to the to the department to supply you with an interpreting and translator or if you want if you need uh, information to be translated, written information to be translated, reach out to them. So that's a great resource that sometimes is not utilized by teachers, especially new teachers, right? There's also articles that I that I that I share all the time through Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. I'm always putting resources out there. There are great articles that will support feminine engagement. Also, great articles that you could share with families. Uh, on different strategies, on uh, mental health, you name it. So, uh, and I want to be sharing this this with you guys, so that you can share this with with the audience. Uh, there's, and again, also there's uh, staff development that we provide to the Office of Equity Affairs. Please go to Wake uh, Wake Learn and check out the offerings that we have coming up for the spring. I, I'm going to be doing a uh, a module on family engagement and I'm gonna walk you through the different frameworks and also the framework that we are using in Wake County. But then again, how do we use that equity lens to make sure that we are engaging, truly being inclusive and and about our you know, the families that we represent, they are classroom, there are demographics represent. So and of course we're gonna go over different strategies to support you to 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 make you uh, to give you the strategy that you need to do a uh, better engagement with your families.
1: So normally in our episode, this would be where we would connect the content that we discussed to one of the student um, digital learning standards. And as you probably realize uh, after listening, this episode focuses more on that teacher piece and not necessarily one of the student standards. So there's lots of the standards for teachers that would connect to communication.
2: If you would like support using digital tools or resources to communicate with families, please reach out to your digital learning coordinator. Thanks for listening to Wake County Digital Learning. Feel free to share our show, visit our website, and stay tuned.